0: hello sacred, sacred beings. beings welcome to sacred sister podcast join us as we normalize the magic and
1: sacralize the mundane expanding consciousness and deepening awareness to support you in leading a life full of healing meaning and magic i'm your host Britt lynn energetic cartographer and personal transformation coach i'm your host hannah lena a certified astrologer rebirth coach and sorceress
0: if you're brand new here welcome beloved we are so grateful so happy to have you here if you're a seasoned sacred being welcome back thank you so much for your support for your listenership and we look forward to seeing you in the show let's dive in
1: Welcome, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Sacred Sister podcast. Britt and I are so excited to be sitting here with Whitney Danielle Gossard, who has been going on a very interesting spiritual journey herself, and we're going to dive deeper into that today because she went from Christianity to New Age, back to Christianity, back to finding her own truth. And that is so powerful to be on that journey. Both Brit and I have been coming from Christian background, finding our own spiritual truth in that process. And really, this episode today is all about, you know, healing that religious trauma, healing that wound that we've all gained within, not necessarily all of us, but a lot of us have been experiencing within a organized religion. And then at the same time, finding that compassion for the people that are still in the religion and why that religion supports them and kind of discerning the misconceptions and discerning the underlying manipulation that can be going on on both sides. And so, yeah, we're so excited to be talking about this topic with you, Whitney, welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, you know, this is such a powerful conversation that honestly, Hannah and I have been pining and just, you know, tapping our fingers and saying, "Wow, I wonder who it is that we're going to have on the podcast to talk about this because it's such a it's such an important conversation to have, I feel like especially amongst people who are really growing their own spirituality and who come from religious backgrounds. You know, for myself, I was super uncomfortable with using the words God only up until a few years ago. I had a really big clash because when I would think about God, I would associate it with my born-again Christian past and the lack in resonance of the beliefs that had kind of fallen away whenever I left the church like that. So I'm really curious. Well, maybe we should start with some grounding. (laughs) Let's ground in for the conversation. I'll turn the floor over to you, Whitney.
2: Okay. um, Grounding. Uh, Something that I've been doing a lot lately, especially when I'm feeling like overwhelmed is tapping into um, my heart space and asking myself what I'm looking for in the moment and what energy I'm allowing to take up the most the most space. I'm a lot all over the place with emotions sometimes, and um, especially being overstimulated and stuff with kids around. So it's important for me to stay grounded and look for the best possible thing in the moment when I'm feeling overwhelmed. So yeah, I just do that several times a day. And also, um, I think I mentioned this last time, but I still uh, focus a lot on the, this too will pass mantra This for all the same reasons. I, um, you get caught up in different things, whether it's good or bad. And it's really hard to really cherish the good moments because you might not realize like, oh, I'm not going to have that someday, or it's not going to be always like this someday. And I think that we... I mean, well, for me as a mom, I forget about those times sometimes, especially with kids when it's frustrating and or even when it's a good moment, you that moments are so fleeting, and you have to just really be present in all of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just a little ramble that doesn't
0: really <laughs> and not super cohesive, but yeah, hey, I think that's actually perfect. Cause we have all kinds of people that listen to sacred sister podcast and we all tap into grounding in different ways. And even yeah. sometimes coming from a place that's like, I can be kind of all over the place. Like how many times do I say that per episode, Hannah? <laughs> yeah, I know. I like, so these people
2: are just like, so like they have this one thing they do that works for them and stuff. And it really just depends on the day for me. Like however I'm feeling and, and I'm, I'm very much like intuitive and so like a lot of people ask me advice, like, well, what are you doing this? What are you doing that? And I was like, I don't know. Honestly, it's just entirely in the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's All like intuitive. Yeah. It's like this toolbox that we have, yeah. right? And then depending uh-huh. on wherever we at in the moment and what we need, we grab out that tool. and we're like, yeah, that's the one that I'm going to be using right now. And it's not going to be the same tomorrow. And that's okay.
2: Which, hey, segue into the conversation. <laughs> it's exactly like Christianity and different spiritual tools. I only know the very like surface level stuff. I I know a little about a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> totally.
2: But yeah, I just, yeah, that's just how I roll. My totally. Gemini sister that,
1: queen. <laughs> that's that Gemini moon, right? We know a little bit. Yeah you know, a little about a lot of stuff. That's that Gemini energy, not just the moon, but also the, your, the Gemini archetype, the messenger yeah. and the being versatile in a bunch of different interests and having all the different tools.
2: And <laughs> I'm, I'm the same with hobbies too, like cycle through them, like almost like clockwork. I can plan it out and I kind of like it. It's funny. Keeps things interesting.
1: That's so good to hear. I feel like for a lot of our listeners, whoever has like strong Gemini archetype within their chart and like, like Whitney who has a Gemini moon and her North node in the house of Gemini. It's okay to be a check of all trades.
2: Mm. I know I, (laughs) there was a long time where I didn't like it. Like it felt really chaotic But once I realized how to channel it properly and how I best function, it's so much more calm and I don't know. The chaos is almost organized chaos now because I understand it. I can utilize it more intentionally instead of feeling like going all over the
1: place. (laughs) Totally. And then you have your self note in the house of Sagittarius and Leo, like, basically rooting down into your own truth helps you with feeling that groundedness and then you can go out and you know go into all the different interests but they're all rooted in your deepest truth and so tell us about how did you go on that journey to come be born Christian dive into spirituality into new age and then come back to Christianity and then back to new age and then finding your own truth in the process. How did that all happen?
2: Well, that's, uh, so I was, I mean, most, like most people in our generation, I was raised Christian, not super, super strict. We went to a non-den- non-denominational church and, um, but I did live in the Bible belt for a while. And so, I mean, even though I wasn't, my parents weren't super strict, the environment very much was. I didn't think like I didn't get too deep into religious thought until I was like, I don't know, maybe early teenagers. And that's when I started having questions for the first time. And I would just casually ask them for my, my youth pastors and stuff. It wasn't like a, a list I had or anything. It just would come up and I'd ask. And I was usually met with, I just have to have faith, um, read my Bible. Although I had several times at that point and many since, but, um, I was never given a clear answer. And I think for some people that that's fine. They don't have to have the clear answers to be on that path. And I think that's fine too. But I was just, obviously my chart shows this. I'm very inquisitive and I can't do surface level stuff. Like I'm like no there's something so much deeper than this and I um kind of shopped around for a little while and studied a couple different religions and at this point I I only knew that Christian religions existed. I didn't know about paganism really. I didn't know about like Buddhism or all that stuff. It was very much contained to the Abrahamic religions. I was baptized Mormon for a little while. Um, I actually met my husband. We both worked. We got married in the Mormon temple. He was a return missionary. And I think it was shortly after we got married, like maybe a year, that I started questioning things again. I'm a very all or nothing type person too. (laughs) So when I went into Mormonism, I was like all in when I, when I'm Christian, I'm all in and I'm very like committed to doing the whole process perfectly, which might not be great, but, (laughs) and, um, I think I brought up something to him about questioning things. He wasn't super open to it at the time. And so I just kind of let it ruminate for a couple more years and then, I had a friend and I don't remember the exact situation or circumstance. And I had like a spontaneous spiritual awakening kind of just out of nowhere one day and my like entire world changed. And I started finding things randomly. Um, A friend suggested books to me and I would be reading these books. And it's like all these things that I had felt for so long were finally being confirmed. Like, and I had a language for them other than, the Christian language I had always had, it never really fit. But then I, um, I don't know, I started discovering all these different books and researching like crazy for years. And then I, and then I got to a low point in my life. And after I had been, I don't know, in spirituality for a while, I got to a low point in my life after um, my grandpa had passed away. A very Christian man. He had beautiful faith and all that stuff. And I was at it was at his funeral. I think that first kind of I started feeling it again, like called back to Christianity. And then we got home, and I had kind of like an ex- an experience. I don't know what I would even call it now because it's been almost two years, I think, or I've lost track of time. But uh, I thought it was Jesus coming to me. Maybe it was, and I felt, I just woke up the next day and I had, my whole entire mind was completely changed. I, um, I went on this crazy spree and I started throwing out all my witchy things like my tarot cards, my crystals, like, I don't know what came over me, but so I was very committed to that fresh start and resetting. And I was like, I'm going to do it right this time. Maybe that's what was wrong. I just wasn't doing it right. And so I dove back into that and it was a couple months and I think my husband had said something one day and he was like, you've had a really zoned off look for a couple months and you don't seem like yourself, mm-hmm. but like, I, I wasn't really thinking much of it. And then my kids said something. Cause I was, I was watching like a YouTube video on uh, Christianity and it was about the flood and my kids were like horrified. And they were like, Oh my God, did, do you believe that God really did that? That he killed everyone. And it was a lot of questions that kids of course have. And in that moment I was like, Oh my gosh. And I like woke up again. And it's kind (laughs) of, I think if you've ever had um, like a dissociative state, it was kind of like that, like just months completely. I don't really remember him that much. And but yeah, and so I stopped reading my Bible that day, other than just like Jesus' words, because I stick with the red letters now. And I think for a while I was confused why I was like went back to Christianity again, especially with how strongly I had been against it for a long time. And I think a lot of people were confused too, especially my partner, because I had been so loud and angry about church trauma and all that. And now, with hindsight and uh, perspective, I see exactly why I had to go through it again. Because I had a lot of anger in my heart still, and just I was so judgmental, and I had I had very little compassion for people that were in religion. I didn't understand why. I didn't, especially passing it on to your kids, like made me so angry. <laughs> but now. I was like, I I understand it. I do. I understand it all. But now I see it as, I mean, spirituality is like the big realm. And then we have all these different branches of the different religions that are simply an expression of that spiritual center that we have. And I think for some people, Christianity works really well for them, especially the ones that view the more spiritual side and the Symbolic nature of the Bible and Jesus's words. But then for others, just like with any modality, it really hinders your spiritual process because you can kind of get stuck in following the words of, you know, whether it's the Bible or your pastor or your community, you can kind of get stuck in thinking that that's the only way to do it. And I think that it's really beautiful for people that can still find religion and remain open minded and they aren't judgmental of others that aren't and they don't sit there and say, "Well, I have the only truth and you're going to go to hell or." And some of them are very polite about it. They're like, "Well, I don't think others are wrong, they're just different." But then they'll quote really really hateful things and you're like, "Well, you do think that you're just not going to say it because you know how it sounds." <laughs> but um yeah, I I don't know. I totally get why people still turn to Christianity and still find it supportive in their journey, especially the community, because that's the one thing I've always said is that Christians definitely have awesome community. And I mean, it's intentional partly because I've studied like a lot of matriarchal culture and communities and gatherings were actually like illegal unless you were Christian for a while. And so, I mean, the pagans were, so our community was stolen a long time ago And that's another thing I was angry about, but I think it's important to not um, place the blame on Christianity itself anymore, but more of like the really strict mindsets that we get stuck in whatever modality you're in that really cage you and contain your expression and in turn really hinders your ability to see others outside of that but yeah, it's, I, there's a lot in there. So if you want to just,
1: that's it, that's beautiful. What you checked, (laughs) what you were just saying here is it's so important to be like regularly checking in with ourselves of what do I consider to be truth? Yeah. And is this truth to me
2: or is it because I really want acceptance or I really want to fit in or I'm just really tired of thinking for myself, but not like that sounds rude, but I mean it in a way of like, cause I totally got there before too. I was like, I don't want to think for myself anymore. I want someone else to tell me what to do. Cause it gets, I mean, it gets so overwhelming, especially when you have so many different things coming at you in the world and all that you have to untangle and Sometimes it can be really hard to figure out why you really believe in something. And if you do believe in it, because cognitive dissonance and like confirmation bias can really get you convinced of something just to wake up a year later and you're like, crap, I did not believe that this whole time, (laughs) but Hey, it's all part of the journey and you collect treasures wherever you're at.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful piece. And Hannah, it seemed like you were getting started on something there. So I want to come back to you, but I really wanted to share this really quickly. I was even just on the phone with my grandma Tita this morning, just like an hour ago. And, um, we've had a lot of just like healing to go through as grandmother and granddaughter. My mom was a really fierce witness and, because of my mom's beautiful faith, my aunt and my grandma both converted to born again Christianity as well. And there's always kind of been these perceptions about like, you know, who I am and what I believe and what I'm into and how wrong it is. And these kind of like, you know, little pieces, but that's not even what I was going to comment on. I was going to comment on how um, when you say, I don't even want to think for myself anymore. I just want someone to tell me what to do, how to live life. Like I totally have compassion for that because of the day and age that we're in. But at the same time, it's fascinating because even just now on the phone with her, it's like, we're talking about some of these woes where we see, um, these food shortages that are starting to be infiltrated into the mainstream. And it's like, they're preparing us for something that's going to come and, you know, we, we dialogue about these things and there's only so much moment of uncomfortable pause before it's like, well, you know, God, God wants it this way or else it wouldn't be happening. And it's almost like, it's almost like the severity of certain situations and like suffering in the world is, is almost like, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but that it's just so easily, like you just wipe your hands of it. God's got it under control. I don't really need to think about it. If it wasn't supposed to be happening, it wouldn't. You know, it almost like denies us of our personal power and autonomy to choose what we do with our energy and what how much power we actually have. And I think that's like an intrinsic part of some of these organized religions that it's like don't take on too much personal power because that means that you're competing with God or that means that you don't trust Jesus. And it's like it so innately severs us from ourselves, <laughs> and that's and one of it the, gets people huge yeah, and issues it, with it. I feel, <laughs> yeah, and it almost gets people
2: not to do anything about it because, like they say, which I agree, like it's a battle in the unseen realm or the unseen realm. Like, yes, it is, but it's manifesting in the physical realm, and that is your mirror to get you to look at it and do something about it. Like, I, every everything, you know, as above, so below starts in that unseen realm, and then it manifests for our attention and awareness. And if we're looking at that and saying, oh, well, it must be because God wants it this way or God will t- take care of it. Yes, that might be true. But what if that's God showing you where he needs you, where you are being called to, you know? Like, oh, you feel because everyone has different passions for advocacy. Other people, some are really into animal rights, some are really into children's rights, women's rights, men's rights. There's there's something for everyone. And I think people get overwhelmed because they're like, oh, well, if I have to if I speak with this, I'm gonna have to address it all. And oh well, if I but there are plenty of voices out there, and we're all called in such unique ways that we don't have to worry about that because Someone else will talk about it. You know, you stick with what you're passionate about, cover that, because there's a reason you're called to it. Mm -hmm. This person will cover that over there. But if we're sitting around waiting for God to come down or whatever, Jesus take care of it, we're really delaying some beautiful work that could be done by us. And then we could see how powerful our ability is to change things. Yes. Yeah. All it takes is each person picking up their cross, their, you know, lantern, whatever their thing is. And it's, it's really that small, every single person doing it. And eventually it's going to change in the collective. So
1: mm-hmm. and I, actually, I, I <laughs> yeah, let me just interject in here because I love that. What you were just saying about the, you know, how we can both of you. When we see God outside of ourselves, right? We can just take away our own power and be like, oh, it's that's God's thing to take care of. And I think that's what is happening in a lot of religions and especially the Abrahamic religions where God is not inside of us, but rather God is an outside force that's taking care of you. And you have to plead to that God to take care of that. And you have to follow the rules. Otherwise, that God will punish you. Right. So it really takes away our own response ability, our own ability to respond to situations because we're so codependent on whatever this other being wants us to be or how we should act or what we should believe and what we should say instead of realizing, okay what truly is God and is God within myself as well, you know? And this is where we are here in the age of Aquarius, where we're coming from Pisces age, where Virgo was on the other side of Pisces, and Virgo is the very humble human. And now we're going into Aquarius age, Age of Aquarius, we look, Aquarius is the God, you know, the thing that we strive towards. And what's on the opposite side, what do we ground ourselves into, is Leo. And Leo is the energy of realizing, wait, I am God myself. So coming from this place of, yes, we are human, we are incarnated as a human, but that is not who we are. Who we are is God that God energy experiencing itself in this physical form as a human and we can access that God energy within us and at the same time there is God that is above us as well, (laughs) you know, so it's not saying that we as humans are God's and we are the ones controlling the world, and we are the highest conscious species in the whole universe. And, you know, we're the creators yeah. of everything, you know, where it's like more of the, the atheism point where it's like, this is all there is. We're the most conscious species. That's just what it is. Yeah. But also at the same time, we can feel, yes, I am God within myself. I am, I have this life force inside of me, this divine life force. And there are beings that have a stronger divine life force that are higher above that. And there is the life force itself or source that we all come from that is that quote-unquote God that all the religions pretty much talk about in just different words and different details. (laughs) So, it's like seeing the balance in both, right? Being humbly human and realizing, wait, I am God as well. So, when I am God... How can I use my life force energy to channel what needs to get done in this physical realm? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And until you witness that God
2: within yourself, you're not going to be able to witness it in another. And so you're not going to value another human life as much You're not even going to value your own life as much until you really tap into that place. And realizing your power also comes with realizing your responsibility of it all. I think it's kind of shows like the patterns and like putting God as an external being. It's the same way we kind of place the responsibility of our emotions and everything on others too. And even in the world, like it's always someone else's issue or always something else to take care of. And it's always the other. And I think that's one really big part of witnessing that we are God is that we, the power's here. And until we realize that we're going to keep putting it all out there and we're going to keep putting responsibility to fix it out there and kind of just a way to keep bypassing (laughs) all the things we have to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's such an important piece to even tap in again, last episode was so much about discernment with Chris O'Brien, not last episode, sorry, it's going to be a couple episodes ago by now, but even coming into the spectrum of placing God so outside of yourself on the one end, on like the low end, and then on the other end, it's I am God in a way that is masterful over and wants to overpower over another from like that really imbalanced in the polar opposite end yeah really like I feel like this is a huge oh yeah this is a huge part of the conversation because so many people and I will say Christians because I've been really the other day I watched a like 25 minutes of a 45 minute interview with Doreen Virtue on why Reiki is satanic and I did I send it to you Hannah no but
1: I was gonna bring up Doreen Virtue for sure so I love that you just brought her up yes
0: Yes. Okay. So in this conversation, it is this automatic association that when we encapsulate, when we hold this energy of I am God in such a reverent way, it is automatically associated as I'm competing with God and I think I'm better than God. And I think I'm more powerful than God. It's this really dualistic mindset that still you can just feel the the shame and like the ickiness in these pieces. I was astounded listening to Doreen about it because it seems like you would be able to witness I mean, I know I'm able to witness her imbalances when she speaks from this Christian perspective. She speaks uh, in this one that I'm talking about specifically about, um, you know, New Agers believe this. They think this, they this, they this. Having so much conviction and righteousness over what it is that we think, feel and believe Um Within these practices. And it was fascinating sitting back and listening to it because I was like, (laughs) I would love to have a conversation with her about this. I go to a church every my born again Christian church every Sunday. I want to talk to her about this because I don't think that that she's what she's saying that everyone in the new age believes. I don't feel that way. I don't think that way. And it's, it's so plain to see that it's another really staunch belief system that has like zero flexibility in its thinking. And it's so demonizing toward people like us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that there are some ways of how you can see the imbalance within the quote unquote new age movement, not that it's an organized religion because it's literally just about the age of Aquarius that we're all moving into and you can, see it with the axis of the earth that is pointing towards the constellation of aquarius but besides that there are some imbalances there when we say we are the creators of our own life we are the manifestors of our own life right i do see that within the new age community at times and that is the other extreme of taking full responsibility over everything that is going on in your life. And that is so, it's such a burden to carry. Yeah. Because it is not true. It's not like, oh, you're going through this trauma. You've attracted it. You were just in the wrong energy. Like you were just not aligned with your energy. That's why this is happening to you. It's all your fault. Right, we don't. That's like the other extreme where we don't realize um, where we to take out the part of Pisces (laughs) that says, you know, that that archetype where we realize, okay, there are some people, there are some things that are outside of my control, and it's okay. for things to be outside of my control. I don't have to be this complete controller of life and hold life like this and be like, I am the manifester of everything that is happening and I'm gonna be pushing it and forcing it. And I am God and this is what's gonna happen in my life. because guess what? It's not going to. <laughs> what's gonna happen when we are in this mode There is going to be times where things are falling apart, even though we don't want them to fall apart. And what do we do then? And that's the thing, I think, why people go from New Age to Christianity when they go into the other extreme after New Age thinking, okay, so I'm reading all these books, Law of Attraction. I'm reading all these manifestation things. Okay, so I am the manifester of my life. Okay, cool. So I am God. Okay, so this is what I'm doing and then something really bad happens, or something traumatic, or they they attract, or there is in their surroundings a being that is very self serving, if that's incarnated, or even in the spiritual realm. And then they go into the other extreme, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, no, I need to actually realize that things are outside of my control. So I'm gonna go back into placing power outside of myself. Was that kind of like what happened with you, Whitney? Yeah, I think it was almost,
2: um, almost like a psychosis. Cause like, yeah, I definitely got so far as I'm like, literally I manifest everything. And, and I did it to such the, like, cause like I said, when I do things, it's like an all or nothing and I'm a perfectionist. And and so I'm always like, well, I must not be doing something right. And, um, I think one of the traps, though, also that I fell into is jumping from one thing so much into the other thing and never kind of taking the time to honor that process of healing before you because you're kind of distracting yourself. So, I mean, I had an identity crisis when I realized that I didn't align with Christianity anymore, so much so that I was in a hurry to pick up something else. Because the, with the way I was raised and everything is Christianity was your identity. You are a child of Christ. You, so when you don't have that anymore, and then you're taught that, you know, your religion is your identity. I think I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I have to find what I am now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of just dove head first into it. And So yeah, after years of all of that, like, cause it's just like a mass amount of like weight you put on yourself. Cause it's not always like, cause if something's going wrong in your life, you're like, Oh, I must be doing something wrong. I must not be aligned. I must have missed out on something. I must this and this and this, instead of just saying like, sometimes this is life. Sometimes it's like this and that's okay. It's cause I, you go from rejecting the shadow really hard in religion, forgetting how to really see it and what it really means and then I hop back into the spiritual new age modality, still suppressing the shadow and mm. still not understanding it. And then I just, I see it so much in nature. We don't really want to accept the harder parts of nature. We don't want to accept the harder parts of life as just being like that sometimes. And I mean, with anything, I think humans just crave comfort and I mean, it's it's nice to be comfortable and it's nice to be happy and stuff, but it's not natural for you to be happy and smiley and just blissed out all the time. And I think that would probably be awesome. But <laughs> I think if you observe anything in nature, the seasons and stuff, there's always a place for the winter. There's always a place for death. Mm. There's a place for transformation. And a lot of that is ugly. I mean, especially the, from going to a caterpillar to a butterfly, very ugly process. And us humans, when we go through that, we're just like, oh no, I must be doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where the medicine is taking place, where Mm -hmm. the transformation is happening. And we're sitting there judging it and like attacking it. And I don't know, it's, it's a lot and it's so much to unpack, but I think it all goes into like the suppression of the shadow and no matter what modality you're in, whether it's Christianity or spirituality, spiritual bypassing is going to be there, not wanting to face the hard parts, not wanting to take responsibility um, or taking too much responsibility.
1: That's a lot of stuff. We actually have a whole episode on spiritual bypassing. Was that (laughs) the first episode, right? In the first season, not the first episode, like I think it was one of the first episodes because I remember that one. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 yes. So we do see that it is happening in the spiritual community. And and I love how you just said that. It's literally like when we just focus on the light, if we are doing that within the new age, with the new age tools, with the pagan tools, with the um, you know Islamic tools, with the Christianity tools...
2: Yeah. whatever. It's all going to be
1: imbalanced no matter where we at. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. This is such an important part. Like it was on the tip of my tongue when you were going through all the things that we reject. I was like, oh yeah, it's death cycles. Yeah. It's dying. It's death that we want to reject. We want to, we don't want the forest to burn down. We don't want the city to be overcome by the typhoon. You know, we we look to the individual minutiae of what's being disturbed in that process. And we feel for that, which is our human heart, which is our human heart activation. And it's natural, but the overarching acceptance of the natural world and there being death cycles within that again and again and again as a part of the process is equally as reverent a thing to behold, because it teaches us that things come and things go. And it helps us pierce into the present moment in an even deeper way. So that exactly what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, it's like really being fucking present with what you're blessed with in this moment, because it's fragile and it's fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings so much more meaning and life and reverence. And it brings faith too. It brings so much faith. And I think this is another important piece of the conversation that I would love to touch on and focus on because for me, at least, like I mentioned earlier, it took a long time for me to be able to say the word God in a way that didn't send my nervous system into like a fight or flight that was like, "Uh, not safe. Uh, Doesn't feel good. What's that? Oh, that guy sucks. (laughs) You know, and learning how to to reframe that in a way that feels so loving and unconditionally loving is the really, really important piece. Coming into what it is for me, what it feels like for me to have a relationship with God and Goddess, and reframing what faith is and belief. As someone who has had, like, when I would think of the words faith and trust, a lot of it was associated with the the patriarchal God of the Christian religion. And it was really hard for me to, like, feel into what is faith outside of this guy that's looking out for me if I'm doing a good job. It is so important for us moving through the times that we're moving into for those of us that don't find ourselves aligned with organized religion to really, really question, is faith only available for people that are in that club? The answer is no. It is so important to find a resonant lens for us to activate faith through. Mm -hmm. I dare say it's like one of the most important things for us as conscious women to find. And then for a lot of us, we're extending that as conscious women to our partners and helping our partners find faith as well. Yeah. It's It's like mm
2: -hmm. a sacred reclamation uh, because I was the same. I didn't want to say, God, I, even though I love Jesus's teachings, I would not open a Bible again. And then I realized that I'm still allowing that to have power and control over me, even though I had left that I was still letting my anger control how I was expressing myself, even though to me, God feels like the most natural a lot of the times. And maybe that is because I was raised religious, but I like using that term now. And for a long time, I wouldn't use it. And uh, my partner He's still has some issues using the word God, but he's gotten a lot better with it lately. And he says it's because of me. Cause he asked me once, he's like, well, why do you use that? Especially when you know that everyone knows or thinks you're going to be talking about the Abrahamic God when you say it. And I'm like, well, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't care anymore. If, <laughs> if people think that I, I just don't care. And I, I think, I don't know if it's getting older or just all the different cycles I've been through is you start to realize that you're going to be judged no matter what and people are always going to view you through the lens of themselves and I've been judged harshly when I was very christian I've been judged harshly very pagan to a point you just have to make yourself happy and you got to use whatever words you want to use and you got to express yourself however you want to regardless of whatever everybody else is doing
1: hmm. I love that so much. And I also love how Brit, how you were just mentioning the goddess as well. And this is something that really helped me on my journey. I uh, had the same thing. I was raised Christian and then coming out of it, I was not using the word God anymore because I was like, why just the Lord? Why <laughs> just he, like what's going on? And then I started, um, when I was actually a child, I should say, I I used the word "Schatz," and it means treasure in German, and that's oh, I how I that. talked to the being. It's like a uh, it's like an endearment word, and I talked to the being. And for me, it was always masculine, feminine. I didn't call it he or she. Um, I just called it Schatz, my treasure. And then, you know, growing up in religion, I was. I realized like how churches always say he and, and the Lord, and I didn't resonate with it. So I started to um, do a priestess training when I was actually pregnant with my daughter in the priestess training, we learned all about her story, right? Not just his story, history, but her story and how the first uh, writings were actually written by priestesses in Mesopotamia mm-hmm. and You know, like all these things that we didn't really learn in school, how spirituality was a part of women's lives, and they were actually the leaders in spirituality for a long time. And when, you know, in the way that I was raised in Christianity and in Catholicism, there is no priestess, there is no female priest, like everybody in church is the man, you know, and you look into the Vatican. Everybody is a man, right? There is not that that woman, the female side, the feminine as well, which is the feminine within us, but also the women have been denied in Christianity. Um, You know, Eve was the one that brought in the original sin, you know, all of these things. And so... When I started the priestess training, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be learning more about the goddess, more about her story, more about women, more about spirituality within that feminine way of thinking. And then I realized that a lot of what was in the teachings, or at least from the women that were surrounding me, some of them, did have a deep wound from the toxic patriarchy that have a deep wound in regards to God. Mm-hmm. And so, in our training, I ever so slightly heard little comments and judgments about God and about the masculine. And then I was like, ooh. <laughs> so. This is just the other side of it. You know, I like literally went from this one side that I was like, well, that's kind of imbalanced. That's so just on he. I went to the other side that was like, oh, that's kind of imbalanced. That's just putting all the power on she, on her, you know? And then it was for me, like, I see them both as equal. For me, there's this meme um, that says, for me, God is not a single parent. Yeah. Where in our world do we just honor the father as the creator and not the mother? Or where in our world do we just honor the mother as the creator and not the father, right? We both come together. And when we see this, this is what really helped me to realize, okay, there's God, there's goddess. There is, you know, in this binary system that we're living in, zeros and ones, One is God, zero is goddess. One is masculine, zero is feminine. And we have both of those energies within us. Goddess is the source, the black hole that is creating all of the things from the unseen realm into the manifestation of it. And the manifestation, when we see it, is the masculine, the sun that is shining and the, um, you know, the outward experience and the life force energy that is coming through us, the fire and the, you know, the spirit and the soul is the goddess. And so, I just wanted to add this as another perception for anyone who is looking for another way to describe the different energies. I like to see goddess, like when we teach our child how to swim, goddess is the one that is holding the child you know, and the child is like trying to like uh, paddle its arms and trying to s- swim. And then father, father, God is a little bit ahead, guiding the child and showing the way and saying, like, yes, you can do it. I-, I believe in you. You got this. And the goddess is the one that holds us. And so this is my way of how it all made sense for me personally. And then I started seeing how much. In the world, the goddess, the feminine aspect, has been taken out in a, so many of our systems, religion, government, healthcare system, and all systems, if you really look into that, that goddess has been taken out. And I think for us to realize to bring her back and have her stand next to God is the key to peace. Yeah, and <laughs> it's especially in
2: Christianity, uh, you see so much talk about how sacred union is and how beautiful marriage is. And it's just the highest expression. And, but then they completely divorce heavenly mother and heavenly father.
1: Yeah.
2: And it just is, there's just so much disconnection that goes down the line. And um, I think that's one thing I did a couple years ago is I just, I dove into the uh, matriarchal studies and I read a couple of, Of really great books. Um, One is um, The Darkening Age and it kind of just talks about how the patriarchy, Christianity essentially about, it's about that, came in and kind of destroyed the pagan world. They explain it a little more in depth than that but it talks about like how that's kind of when the first attack on the family happened because they took us away from our tribal living in communities and matriarchal villages and stuff and then put us into the nuclear family Um, because the more you separate the easier it is to control Mm -hmm. and um, so people like to talk about the modern day separation of family and attack on the family but we still are operating from the wounds of the first attack of the family and so we're kind of not going as far back as we need to when we look on this attack well, when did it start and what were they really after? And I think it's, it's so beautiful to study these uh, matriarchal cultures and how they're called matriarchal, but it was really, uh, egalitarian. It wasn't like, Oh, women are higher. It was never like that. It was just the women were the council because they were the ones that, you know, had the children and protected the children. And so they were the ones that were invested in the future, um, a little more of the nurturing aspect and protecting aspect of the children. And then they, I mean, extended families still live together. It wasn't odd for your grandparents and aunts and uncles and all to be living together. And then the patriarchy came in and they realized how big the family unit was. And that's when we started seeing the nuclear family torn down to just husband and kids. They took away grandparents, they took away all the elders, they took away all of that. And so now we just have this there. And now it's just like a sitting duck ready to pluck. They've convinced men to leave the home and that they're the rulers. They've convinced women to stay quiet and in the home and to raise the kids to be the same. So we see all these predators happening in the church. We see men neglecting their families. And this isn't just Christianity, it's everywhere because of the feminine wound and so we see all these different dynamics that have really been the ripple effect from something that Christians aren't even taught about anymore mm-hmm. because they're only taught about history from the 2000 year mark starting point uh, when they, the the calendar changed, when geez, all that. So they're missing a key part of history that really would illuminate all the wounds they themselves are trying to heal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that obviously public school goes into that too, because public school doesn't really teach full history either. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I wish people realized how big it all was. And it was, it's not as simple as, well, the Christians are wrong or the new agers are wrong, or these people are wrong. It's like such deep wounds that go back before any of that even mattered before any of that was an expression. And I think that there really needs to be a return to all those things like bring the midwives back, you know, make home birth a thing, keep children with their families instead of sending them off to school, get communities back together, start living near your extended family again. That's your village. That's supposed to be your support. And all of it has been ripped away and oh, it's so heartbreaking to think about, but. Yeah. I, I see so much of it coming back though. So that's good.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that. You just mentioned that because while you were saying that the elders have been disrespected as well, and we, you know, take, put them into the, the home for elderly people away from their families. It's just so much. It's just so beautiful when we come back to this more tribal living, right? This community and and realizing there is such a deep honor in having lived through life, honoring the wisdom that was gained for all the time, and even bringing back the crone aspect and honoring older women as well, right? That's another yes. piece that is that is part of the conversation, and we can see how all of that is. Just this, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know where the origin necessarily was. I would love for you to, to let me know about this book that you were reading, because that's beautiful, because there is, we can definitely see the fall, quote unquote, yeah. that Christianity is talking about in some sense, the fall of yeah, Christianity, I mean, but it was different from mm-hmm. what Genesis is talking about.
2: Like even my husband is an anthropologist and even going through some of his homework assignments and stuff with him, I saw how far back things went and it's almost like universally across the board, right around the industrial revolution is when basically everything changed and we started leaning more towards a masculine um, expression than a feminine one. And I mean, obviously that was necessary to eventually alchemize and balance out everything. But, um, a lot of people are only taught when the masculine took over. Like that's kind of when the history started. And so I think it's hard to get a full picture of it all because they don't have the knowledge to really have the full understanding of how things happened. And, but yeah, there's a couple of books that I've read about that and it just, it makes so much sense, but. What, What are the names of the books? Um, there's a couple, the first one that I read was the darkening age. That's more of a transition on that. Um, there's drawing down the moon is a really, a really great one. Um, when God was a woman and then, um, the great cosmic mother, it all talks about that transition that happened in history, essentially, and not necessarily it being important as to why it happened, but how to learn from it and not repeat the same things and you know (laughs) we have a hard time with that oh and another good one um is sex at dawn it kind of goes over the more sexual aspect of how women and their sexuality been has been repressed over the years and all that so Mm -hmm.
1: i flipped a lot of good ones
0: I want, just want to say this. We ordered when Curtis and I were getting into Tantra and right before we started Sophia Sandari's course, um, on weaving our energies together and, and sacralizing sexuality more, we ordered sex at dawn and we got a bunch of books and we just thumbed through sex at dawn. And the one, the pages that I read were so I want to say super patriarchal. And I was like, oh, this does not resonate at all. But I still have the book, so I'll go back. (laughs) I've only read
2: (laughs) about half of it. And um, I'm very much like when I get books, I almost never sit and read them from cover to end because my mind is just... So I'll sit and I'll read like a chapter at a time or paragraphs at a time. And I can definitely see why that book would seem like that. There's definitely some areas in there that are I definitely don't agree with all of it. But historically there's some stuff in there that is good. But oh another good one I read um is from from the alphabet to goddess. I'm gonna have to like message you with actual name. But it basically talked about the invention of language contributing to the patriarchal uh takeover mm-hmm. uh because language is very um you know masculine because it's structured and all that stuff. It, it kind of talked about the natural evolution of the masculine being taking over because people didn't understand how it manifested,
1: and that was really interesting because I had never thought about that point before. It like, makes sense if you think about like yeah. the feminine energies is talking more in symbols, and back in the day we had symbols, and that was the language that we communicated with. In yeah. even you know extraterrestrials, if you look at crop circles we haven't even dove into that so much into sacred sister podcast but i do see that in the future coming coming into our awareness maybe Um, season seven yay oh that's a good one (laughs) yeah when we look into crop circles those are all symbols it's not like they're writing in english words you know these are all very sacred symbols you look into egypt into sacred old ancient sacred texts a lot of those are symbols Yeah.
2: And I, it's like language is so useful and so beautiful and it really helps with certain things. But then you also see the downside is that how it can really hinder certain things as well. Whereas if you just have a symbol or just like even with looks and music and there's something that can never be pinned down with language. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is one of the problems is that Spirituality, there's something that happens that you're never ever going to be able to explain it linguistically, any like because there are just no words for it. And I think that had such a big thing to do with the transition because we discovered this language and how beautiful it is to have this tool. And then we slowly forgot our roots and how sometimes you just have to feel and. Oh, I just love it because I mean, I can definitely be a talker when I have something to talk about, but I am so much of a like just sitting with people and like there's some things that communicate that that are communicated. that just aren't with words. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's another thing that we just have strayed from Mm -hmm. because talking is beautiful, but sometimes silence Mm -hmm. is where I hear the most.
1: Such a poignant piece. Scorpio sun right here, Scorpio rising, conjunct Pluto, conjunct Mercury. Mercury. Here we go. I'm even wearing my
0: Scorpio earrings. So (laughs) I know I saw that. I love that. And I wanted to say two, two things. A couple times you've mentioned in this interview, you know, that you have a very black and white in or out type thing. And I was like, yeah, sun in the first house. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Of course you do. The first house of Aries. But I wanted to touch on something that Hannah you were mentioning a couple minutes ago about the um interfamily like living and even it's like such a systemic piece that would need to be shattered and broken down too um just cuz I'm going through this within my own uh family and I think it's so important because probably a lot of us listening to this have grandparents who are going through similar things But within the caretaking system, that whole thing needs a massive restructure because the care is not amazing in a lot of these old people's homes and keeping the family to take care of the older people is really hard and draining as well. And especially when by the time a lot of us get to these older ages, we're inundated with prescriptions and the prescriptions have needed to be enacted because of these pieces of disease that have spouted up in our bodies as a result of lack of movement of diet of lack of yeah, exercise. And it's like, everything is, is a piece of another broken part of our systems. And that is so honestly, that is a huge piece of inspiration for why we lead these conscious lives anyways, right? It's like, why do we get back into our fitness? Why do we choose to eat right, choose to eat plant-based living foods, drink living water in order to have, it's like a preventative lifestyle. Yeah. I just really wanted to touch on that because it would be amazing if all of us could just go back to like, Uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents all living together, but we've also gotten to such a place that everybody is so fucking sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People totally. are so sick. It's not even about us all living together because we're all so sick. Many of us, I'll say. I'll separate myself from that group and everyone here listening.
1: <laughs> but yeah. it's
0: with our conscious decisions that we're able to say, no, I'm gonna actually um eject myself out of that group of sick people. Cause at this point we know cancer is on the rise, yeah. autoimmune diseases on the rise, all the kinds of diseases on the rise. Do we accept that these are just on the rise and they're probably going to come into my life? Or do we say, because I know that this is so on the rise, what is it that's causing at the root and how do I deviate from that? How do I
1: gain my personal power and, and take my health into my own hands Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because now when we start planting those seeds now, then our children can have those communities and we can live with our children. And it's not like we are going to be the half sedated person on, on pills that they have to like take to the restroom so they can pee, you know, where it's like, that's like, that puts a lot of pressure on the family. And that's, that's very true. And I think for me, for myself, I do see Ideally, the way of transitioning from this life to the next is like a very conscious process. Since I am dying so many times within myself already within this lifetime, Mm -hmm. I am not afraid of the process of dying. And unless it's like an accident or anything that is out of my control, obviously, but I I do see it as like a very conscious transitioning piece. And we're bringing that back by allowing death to be part of our life and allowing death to be a regular piece in our own evolution, just as the cells of our body die and we receive <laughs> new ones, you know, and it's just like such a, such a regular cycle. when we flow more with that, then we are growing up as elders who are able to sustain that family community more. So again, And I want to mention that too. The family and community doesn't have to be blood family. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Soul family, sacred sisters, sacred brothers, sacred communities. You know, so many of us are being called to be part of a conscious community, buy land somewhere, be sustainable, coming together with, with people that are on the same vibe, that living the same or similar lifestyle, and that's family too. Mm-hmm. So I am. Um, mm-hmm.
2: I'm seeing a lot of moon circles pop up and like organizations like that coming around. Whereas years ago, I couldn't find anything. And it's so cool to see because, like, yeah, it's going to be hard to reclaim communities at the point where we are now. There's a lot of healing that has to happen. Um, but I'm 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 just slowly seeing it. And so I feel like just in a couple more, like our children, their children, it's slowly going to make its way back. And and you're living yeah. in the Bible Belt, right?
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that's amazing. We're living in Las Vegas. So we have a lot of moon circles here. And Britt and I actually started a moon circle, Sacred Sister Gathering. And from that circle... We actually developed Sacred Sister Podcasts. So this is why we're here. But it's so funny too, because when I was pregnant with my daughter, I really felt called. I didn't I didn't want to do just the normal baby shower. i really felt called to do a blessing way and bring back that community and that honoring of the feminine and that journey into the next realm from maiden to mother. And that's actually the first time that we've gathered as sisters in conscious community in a sacred space together and that blessing way of me and my daughter emma that was the start of when we started to regularly have circles together and create sacred sisterhood here in las vegas and then from then on moving into sacred sister podcast and what was that tradition rooted in that you had discovered it within it was native American. Mm-hmm. very original stages. the original native very traditional nature-based uh, beliefs tribal mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. our freaking
0: roots <sighs> you know I want to mention this meme that our girl Nikki Cosmo put up just like yesterday or a couple days ago For those of you who may not know Nikki Cosmo, we featured her in the previous season in one of the most popular episodes of the season, Death is a Key to Surrender. And she posted this meme just the other day that I feel like is perfect for this conversation. It just said, learn how to die before you die.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I saw that too. I was like, yes.
0: (laughs) Learn how to die before you die. I feel like all of us could just stay here all day. (laughs) (laughs) it's been such a sweet process such a sweet conversation unfoldment such a deepened dialogue Whitney I just want to thank you so much for joining us here on Sacred Sister this is actually our second time gathering with Whitney (laughs) we recorded like what five months ago or no it was like 10 it was just after Jacob was born
1: Mm yeah yeah
0: and then, and then Hannah was not able to be on the call for half the time because, um, Jacob was in need of assistance. Mm -hmm. So she was like, I want to have this conversation,
1: but I want to be a part of it. Yes. And now I've called in support. I, we have a nanny now, so it really helps. Oh, that's (laughs) nice. Calling in support for all the, for all the females, women out there. It's, we're allowed to call in support. And I feel like this is also another thing, um, you know, with, When you were also mentioning about Jesus coming to you um, in that moment where you shifted towards Christianity, back to Christianity. And that's something that a lot of people are talking about when we listen to videos from New Age to Christianity. It's because Jesus comes in and you have the spiritual experience. And I just want to add this to at the end of this episode that we can work with Jesus and Mary Magdalene and Mother yes. Mary, irregardless of what religion we're in. And they can visit us. Like that's what happens to me on a regular basis. I call in Mother Mary all the time to support me and my family. Mm-hmm. I call in Jesus and Mary Magdalene to support me with my sacred union with my husband. Mm-hmm. Like we can work with these Ascendant Masters um, and call and ask for support and call in that help. And they can show up. Because Jesus wasn't Christian. Mm-hmm. Christianity doesn't own Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the figure, the, the being of of Jesus or Yeshua, that is for, for all of us to mm-hmm. hear, to guide us and support us. And if we need any help or um, call and support mm-hmm. or, you know, the next step to take. Or even help in like feeling negative energies inside our home. I love to call in Yeshua because he's such a spiritual warrior to like protect and defend. Right, like divine
0: reflection of what Christ consciousness holds. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I go to my Born Again Christian church, and I want to offer that to everyone here too. Maybe you have had religious trauma, and maybe you are also in deep sought uh, seeking of a community. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I don't know that I go or would go to like gatherings at that church, but it's, you know, don't rule it out. Maybe try a church. There are some things, some things that are said at my born again, Christian church. It's my home church. I used to sing there in high school, literally been going there since they opened, but like Take everything with a grain of salt. That's another thing that I feel like is such an important part of our process. Do we only need to surround ourselves with people that we like a thousand percent resonate with? Or are we allowed to, you know, uh, two weeks ago in the service, um, the lead pastor had, you know, was on a really beautiful stream and was like, we are all sacred priests for God. And I was like, how funny to say to an entire auditorium of, of people, tons of women too, to call them sacred priests. Like, I was like, why? And under my breath, I was like, I am a sacred priestess. (laughs) Because it's like, where is the, anyways, whatever. I don't need to get off on that tangent. But it's like, sometimes I consciously in the church service, I'm like, okay, and that's a grain of salt that I'm going to leave on the table. (laughs) And then just brush it onto the floor and just sweep it up at the end of the day to like let it out with the trash. (laughs) It's all good. And and here's the beautiful part is that tapping into and going to my born again Christian church gives me the the beautiful, communal, faith-filled, the spirit is alive in that room. The worship moves my soul to tears on a weekly basis. It's such a place to go if you are in search of those faith-filled people. And not every church is going to be like that. So like be willing to jump around and try different churches if it's something that resonates with you. But I just have to say it's been such a beautiful part of fortifying my own faith again is going back to my. And I think
2: it also proves how like strong you are in your own truth that you can sit in that. Hold and it. not resonate with everything, but still, you know, see the value in it. Like I can sit here and you're not swayed or you're not, you, you know, yourself. And I think that's the perfect time to even like go back to church is when you're rooted enough within yourself that you're not going to be, you know, manipulated or swayed by a biased or something or, yeah. And also I think when you're like, when you're raised religious, you're like, well, all of this is true. So you kind of like have that subtle mindset, like, well, I can't just take this and leave the rest, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing to like unlearn and relearn is that you are allowed to completely pick and choose, complete sovereignty over
1: your path. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. That
1: was something I had to learn. (laughs) So beautiful. Yes. And I want to add to this too. We are. I love going back to the church in my hometown in Germany, and it's this old church. My grandma is and my grandpa are buried in the cemetery right next to the church, and it usually doesn't have normal services, but I chose that church because it's so old, so they don't have regular services in that church anymore, um, but I chose that for my husband and I to get married in and uh, for my daughter, Emma to get baptized in. And now Jacob is going to get baptized. And it's so fun because I like, that is such a beautiful tradition. Like my whole family is, is in the Christian community. And I, again, I take it with this. Okay, cool. So now it's under favor God, and then we do another ceremony under Mother Goddess, you know. Like my husband and I, we got married in a rose garden here in Las Vegas with a priestess that was totally under Mother Goddess. 13 months later, not even necessarily um not planned at all like that, but 13 months later, and 13 months is like 13 is the number of the goddess, which was so fascinating. But 13 months later, we got then married in church under Father God with a priest. And when my daughter was born, I had a naming ceremony with my priestess, uh, my priestess teacher, who I was under the priestess training with. And that naming ceremony was calling in all the goddesses. And then in the baptism, we'll call in the names patrons of her name, which is, you know, Hema von Gork for Emma and Mother Mary for her middle name May. And I really love those two, like the names, patterns of Catholicism. Oh, I love them. Like my, I'm named after Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc is such a beautiful being that I love connecting with. Um, and then Lena, my middle name is from Mary Magdalene. So like knowing that I'm named after these beings that I can call upon for support and they're my names, patrons and the baptism It's such a beautiful tradition where I'm like, yeah, we can pick and choose, you know, that is beautiful.
0: Isn't it so funny how the ritual of the names patrons takes, it's like, it's, it's a very obvious tradition, but then for you as a conscious witch to be like, yeah, I connect with these energies and I call in these spirits and I commune with them and they inform my life and they guide my path. And that. It's like the degree of separation is like half a degree. And it's really you just owning that ritual that was happening with you, but it would be evil and it would be demonic and it would be too far
1: and it would be dangerous. Isn't that so hilarious? Yeah. Because most of the traditions of Christianity have been rooted in nature-based religions, yeah. or na- not even religion, I wouldn't even call them, in nature-based belief of source, God yeah. and goddess, you know. The, yeah, the natural connection that we've all come here into this world, that children come here with. And most traditions are based on that. And so Christianity just kind of, you know, pick and choose. That's literally what they did. They did it too. And they made their own thing around it. So you can do that as well.
0: (laughs) This conversation has been so illuminating. And with that, let's begin our sacred questions.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So every guest, we ask three sacred questions at the end. And those can be answered in a shorter format just whatever comes through to you. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Gemini moon is like, what? (laughs) Okay, what does sacred mean to you? It means a lot of
2: things. Um, I think the main thing to me, what sacred is, is just pure presence and intention in whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, wherever you're at, I we can get caught up in all that stuff that surrounds us or the emotions of it. And I think it's quite rare that we can really just like tap into whatever we're doing and fully be with it. And I think that in those moments that we're able to do that in whatever way is what sacred is. Mm
1: -hmm. Beautiful
0: and who is a sacred sister to you and what does it mean to have a sacred sister I
2: have so many I am lucky that I am surrounded by a lot of awesome women I have um, my best friend she's one of those people that I could call anytime and she'd answer and she's probably one of the only people in the world that like just truly sees me exactly for me probably she's another Scorpio so that probably helps but uh finding that other soul that is like the perfect container of just like unconditional love Mm -hmm. is such a blessing and a support and it's even more beautiful what I noticed lately as a lot of people I'm really close to will embody things that in myself, I have seen as flaws, mm. but when I see it in them, I think it's so beautiful and just like the most amazing thing. And then the other day I was thinking about that and like the real, like about the container of relationships, whether that's platonic or romantic or whatever. And I'm just like, because of them, I'm able to see myself more clearly without that judgment that we can, you know, give ourselves and hopefully they're able to do the same with me and that I'm able to see or show them themselves more clearly. But
1: I have a, I have a lot of them. That's so beautiful. And isn't that so much like with astrology, even you can look into your chart and your sister's chart and then overlap them and see how are we influencing each other? Like, how are we impacting each other, triggering or, you know, holding that space for each other to be our fullest self? So beautiful. Yeah, so it's,
2: it's kind of a synchronicity. Uh, the the friend I mentioned. Uh, We grew up like maybe um, an hour or two away from each other uh, growing up in Texas. And then we eventually found each other later on on the internet and we're like, oh my gosh. And um, it's just so funny to see the different connections between the different people in your life and how they come in. And it's just so magical when you have like a spiritual spiritual perspective because you like see all like the way it weaves together and how we're all just like, oh, it's so good.
1: Yes. It. Yes. It's such a, a cosmic web that is weaving us together, right? At the divine timing. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. And then the third question is, how do you make something normal and mundane into something magical and sacred? Uh, probably, like I said, presence and
2: Detachment. And not detachment like you don't care what's going on, but more of a detachment of like, I'm going to completely let this be what it is and, you know, get comfortable with that because that's why we don't really see magic in the more sad moments or the, you know, the more hard moments of life because we only attribute magic to the good stuff. But I think if we can kind of detach from it and, see what it's there to show us makes it magical Mm -hmm. more present too
1: so beautiful thank you thank you thank you thank you so much Whitney uh, for coming on and sharing your journey sharing how you found your truth through all the different beliefs that are out there all the different information that we can pick up on and yeah Is there anything that you want to share with our audience? How can they get into contact with you? And what are you offering?
2: I don't have much right now. Um, I do tarot readings and my inbox is always available for people to vent, ask questions, just whatever they need when it comes to religious trauma or really anything. I've talked through quite a lot with people and um yeah as I say I don't advertise that much but my inbox is always open and if I don't message back right away I promise I'm not ignoring I just I'll only open something if I know I have the time to answer it
1: (laughs) so yeah beautiful and we're gonna link uh, that inbox that's your facebook account right so we're gonna link that into the description and then i think you have an instagram as well so we're gonna link that there as well cool what's your handle for the auditory learners i think it's awakened motherhood
2: on instagram and then it's just my full name on facebook uh whitney danielle gossard i think
0: beautiful Oh oh my gosh, I'm just typing in your. Yeah, that is what it is Awakened Motherhood. (laughs) And then we'll link it down below in the show notes. Whitney, we want to thank you so, so much for joining us. We traversed so many landscapes in this deep dialogue. We want to also extend just such a piece of gratitude and thank you to each and every of the Sacred Sisters, Brothers, and Beings who are here with us at the end of the episode. Sacred Sister Podcast would not be what it is without you. And we really thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your interest in this topic and in what Sacred Sisterhood represents. Thank you for coming to the podcast, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too. Mm, Thank you so much for listening to this episode today, beloved. If it resonated with you. We ask you to please share it with your sacred sisters, brothers, and beings alike. You have no idea the impact a simple share can
1: make in someone's day, life, and growth. And another way to show your love and support is by leaving us a rating or review on the app you're tuning into this from. And if you hang out on Instagram and your feed is in need of more uplifting and conscious spiritual content, follow us at Sacred Sister Podcast. So with that being said, we hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you in the next episode. Namaste, beloved. Bye.